Hello and welcome to Such Sights to See, the podcast about journeying through cinema with my good friends. I am Patrick, and you can follow along on Letterboxd. Uh, my account is Long Monkey. Check out what movies I've been watching. And my co-host here is Eric. Eric, how are you doing? I'm much better today than I was a week ago when I got COVID. So, yes. Oh. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, hopefully it gave you plenty of time to watch some movies. <laughs> I think some of the movies I watched might have re-given me COVID. Oh, God. All right. Well, we'll get into that. But first, we got to introduce another good friend of mine. Good friend, Matt. How are you, Matt? I am awesome, Patrick. Happy to be here. <laughs> and the reason Matt is here is because this episode is about Dome Fest. It's the festival that I put on at my house, which is a dome. And this Dome Fest, it was five deadly action films. So we went and watched five crazy action movies, and Matt was one of the only ones that stayed the whole time. So he's going to give his impressions as we go. What bet did you lose to have to stay? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get into that, though, we, we do have some chit-chat to cover, because Matt, you sent me a text the other day about a trio of unwatchable movies. Movies I don't like talking about, but I'm just going <laughs> to let you... What 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 did you send me? <laughs> All right. Well, you're gonna have to cut me off because I've been talking a lot about this recently. Um, let me see. I'll get the actual quote from my phone here. Movie review. Dot dot dot. The three new Star Wars movies are almost unwatchable. <laughs> uh, I don't know how anyone could watch those movies and say that they're even half decent. What? I don't know what happened. Well, here's what I was trying to figure out. With, like, with, sometimes you have to guess you have to look at like who movies are made for. I don't know who mm -hmm. they made these movies for, but it, it must have not been me. Because I just... Have you seen them? Are you oh, talking yeah, about yeah. 7, 8, and 9? Yep. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about I 7, agree, 8, and 9. Bad. Like, so, uh, The Force Awakens, they don't even change the shape of the ship that they're blowing up at the end. It's still like a planet killing sphere that they have to go attack and kill. There's a, a Han Solo character. <laughs> There's like, it, it's exactly the same thing, which I like, I like I, like part of what, with the, what part of what doesn't age well with four five and six is the lack of diversity in them. And like, uh, and some of uh, a lot, a lot of that. And they definitely corrected that here, but like they just remade them. Like you couldn't have done anything, anything else. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I think that number seven, especially was just episode four redone again and which was fine. I thought I was entertained, but it was nothing that I feel like I need added to my life. <laughs> episode yeah. eight though. I did like what episode eight did with the, Oh Some my God, the, please stop the, talking. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to get into a big Star Wars discussion. I just, I didn't like episode eight, but I liked a lot of things it did with the storyline, trying like setting up a, what could have been a good finale. And then the finale was yeah, just no a giant kind of... steaming turd. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that whole so movie is only supposed bad. to take place over eight hours. My 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 whole problem with Star Wars is that they didn't plan a trilogy. They just made Episode Seven and then said, "Okay, Ryan Johnson, go make Episode 8 without 
worrying about what episode nine is going to be. And then, all right, go make episode nine, J.J. Abrams. Well, there was a little bit of a story to that. Um, It was originally supposed to be uh, Colin Trevorrow. I think his name is Colin Trevorrow. Yes. And then the fan base was so divided after episode eight that they were just like, uh, we're going to ditch what we were going to do with nine and let's try to like fix this somehow. And that's how they gave it to JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams. Cause number seven was a big hit, but, uh, yeah, yeah they I just didn't have a plan from the beginning. That was the problem. Yeah. I think one of the, uh, one of the things that kind of bothered me about it, made me feel a little like gross, was that you could see the things that they're putting into the movie to sell merchandise. They like put BB-8 and they're like, dude, we're going to sell so many of these. Like around, you can, you can like feel the merchandising and like sometimes they would like break into like, like a scene would come up and like, oh, that's a great game for, like that's like a great like level for a video game. Like you could like feel the merch, like the disney flying yeah. of like the whole thing. We you need could, a silver stormtrooper that'll sell like hotcakes. Yeah. Yes, they had like silver, yeah. Then like, and then they're like, they're like, I don't know if the original ones did Leia ever have a lightsaber, or did they just bring in Leia's saber so they could sell like a thousand of them to like every uh, to like I don't know women who also like Star Wars. You know, I don't know because it was a ge- it was generally like very like that's what the first three got kind of wrong, but uh, you know, like they they made like a Leia lightsaber. I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they they, they created yeah, yeah, I mean, stuff. And there was that lamp, and it was like that lamp, like thing that came out of nowhere. And I was like, "Oh man, now now uh, a BB-8 has like a friend lamp, so you're gonna have to buy like the BB-8 stuffed animal, and then like the lamp stuffed it, the lamp like right, stuffed animal." You know? Well, Star has been doing oh. that since the Ewoks. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know Eric's yeah. a huge so, fan of Ewoks. Just awful. I love. I love like just you know these. Uh, unadvanced bears just beating the crap out of stormtroopers with rocks and sticks. <laughs> All right. I think we're, uh, yeah. All right. I think we're in agreement that no one likes the new trilogy, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did see some good movies. I'm going to talk quickly about two of them. I saw Pablo Lorraine's Spencer, the princess Diana biopic with Kristen Stewart, which I really liked. I think, um, it had a cool, like we know what a design. fan of the royals you are. Yeah, I know nothing about the royal family. I knew nothing about Princess Diana, but this was a story. It, it was just three days in her life, and it really wasn't um, meant to be a, a non-fictional, you know, piece. It says at the beginning that it's a fable based on real events, and it's just Kirsten Stewart as a. Uh, a woman who is like kind of in over her head with the attention she's getting from the press and from the Royal family and has great production design, great costumes and Kirsten Stewart, really good. Like people say that you watch it and you forget that it's her. Not quite that far, but (laughs) she definitely embodies the role really well. I didn't realize um, it was a fiction movie. That actually makes me want to kind of watch it because I just assumed it was a Princess Di biopic. And I'm like, meh. Yeah, no, just three days uh, when she has to go celebrate Christmas with the royal family at the height of, like, you know, everything that's going on in her her life. And um, yeah, Pablo Lorraine has a a good 
at least in this film, has a good eye for what makes things cinematic. Just the using these like real locations with really long takes. You can see like her like running down a hallway and it's like a real long hallway all in one shot, like decorated perfectly to be like part of a castle, you know, that the Royal family would be visiting. It's it's got some great stuff. I I did like it. Um, And then one more movie I'd like to talk about was happy together by Wong Kar Wai. Happy together was like one of his big breakout hits. I don't know if either of you care about, uh, Hong Kong cinema drama, romantic dramas, but (laughs) (laughs) I think you know the answer to that. (laughs) Yes. No, no. Um, I think this, if this was not subtitled, you would appreciate it, but it's this, it's like a gay romance uh, with two men who are in love and they move to Argentina and it just kind of follows them as their relationship falls apart and they drift apart. And at first I wasn't into it because it has this really weird, like almost pretentious style where some's in black and white. Some of it is like shaky cam. Some of it is like these beautiful color images. And, uh, but overall it really started to work and it really got to a sense of melancholy about how some people come to, into your lives for like a short time, but it's very meaningful. You know, I'm sure you all have both of you have people in your lives like that, that you knew for a short time and they left an imprint and this movie like really gets to that feeling. So it was very sad, but I liked it a lot. Cool. Yeah. Those are two good movies. I saw, I won't talk much about the boring stuff, but uh, how about you, Eric? Did you watch anything interesting? You know, you would think being in isolation for five days and having COVID, I would have had more time to watch movies, but um it just in my fever dreams, all I did was put on like Marvel on a loop and have it in the background as I had my strange uh, comatose fever dreams. So <laughs> fortunately, I don't have anything interesting to talk about outside of what I have prepared for the podcast. Okay, well, let's jump right into it then. With Domefest, the five deadly action films, we opened up, Matt, I don't know if you remember, but we opened up with a trailer that you didn't, you thought was a real movie at first. <laughs> I do. We were watching we we watched the trailer for Stunt Rock, which traditionally in Buttonamathon, the festival Harry Knowles puts on, uh noted monster Harry Knowles. He um <laughs> <laughs> he uh would play stunt the stunt rock trailer at the beginning of, of the festival, and it's just a really killer trailer full of a lot of action and kooky stuff. So that was a lot of fun. Wait a minute. You guys didn't watch the actual Stunt Rock movie? <laughs> nope. When I sent you the list, I said, these are the movies, I except Stunt Rock was just a trailer. <laughs> watched the whole movie <laughs> yes. in preparation for this podcast. Are you trolling oh, me right now? No, I'm, I'm not trolling you, right, Matt? We only watched the preview. Yeah, but the preview was awesome. So I actually want to hear, Eric, is it, is it a good movie or... I guess the the question, is it a movie, is enough of a thing to ask because it was really a collection of random scenes. It's about, um, and I, I didn't look if he's an actual stuntman, but I would be shocked if he wasn't. The movie yeah, opens was. with um, the stuntman and he's doing his last stunt ever in Australia before going to America to work as a stuntman in TV. And the movie is essentially a series of scenes connected by stunts 
that don't necessarily connect to the scenes interspersed with footage of a band called sorcery who does (laughs) something that I wish was real. It is a stage show that is a combination of magic and like spinal tap esque metal songs. Oh God. (laughs) And it was just like, I don't know why I, I, I did enjoy watching the movie, but it would be like this character and there is supposed to be a story here, I think, but there's not really saying like, oh, remember when I did this stunt? And then it flashes to a stunt. (laughs) And then it's just like the next scene of either the band in the recording studio or the band at a concert or the stuntman doing something else weird and crazy. And that's basically the whole movie. I can imagine that movie. I don't know. I don't know if it was a major movie when it came out. Was it was it like a block? Like, because I have friends who grew up surfing in the seventies, and they remember there was like those surf videos to watch, or like or like skate videos or snowboard videos, depending on like what boarding sport you're into. But when when uh, um, Endless Summer came out, you would all go down there because it was like the first ever surf film. And I don't know if this mm-hmm. was. Uh, like a prototype of like dirt bike people doing like, like a dirt bike video where they try to add too much of a story and we're just like, we're just going to play rock and roll music and have people doing stunts. They couldn't do it. They couldn't fully commit to it just being stunts and rock and roll. Yeah. Kinda. And they try to work in a character. Yeah. That's what it, it felt like to the, from the trailer. It seemed like just like an awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like if Jackass tried to put some kind of storyline holding in their, their skits and stunts together almost there's a good video online from the director of this it's an australian movie and uh i don't know if you guys have seen trailers from hell the youtube channel where it's just directors uh narrating trailers for movies they like so this guy narrated the trailer for his own movie stunt rock and he was saying how it was basically a something that needed to huh. it was some producers had the idea of just taking this stunt man and making a movie just full of stunts and music. And then that would be enough to get people into the seats. So he's, he's, they just staged a bunch of stunts. And he said that they had to start shooting so quickly that he had to find a band in two days. So he found the type of band that you find if you only have two days. <laughs> That's what his words. That's shocking to me because they were like, I mean, I, I've never heard well, of this uh, band uh, Sorcery, but they had like a full on stage show and real songs they were the yeah, best so, part of the movie it was really just a, a like an excuse to make a feature film to get people to pay money to see it you know and it definitely made a great trailer so that probably got enough people into the seats well now i'm sad i didn't see the trailer <laughs> well i'm glad you watched the whole movie because i was so curious if it actually had any story or if it was just you know it mayhem. tried <laughs> it tried <laughs> All right. Well, after Stunt Rock, we watched Blood Moon. Blood Moon from 1997 was a story of a martial arts serial killer who hunts down martial arts masters and kills them. And then the cool cop, the buddy cop duo after him. Everyone knows martial arts in this movie. It's full of really great fights. It's directed by a Hong Kong director, but it's an American movie. Uh, So it has that like cheesy 90s American vibe but really cool fight scenes. What do you think of that one, Matt? Do you remember it? Yeah. Um, I think someone commented from the couch while we were watching this movie 
it feels like it was fed every 80s and 90s action film. And then kind of what do they do is like computer, like had AI like spit yeah. back out an action movie. Cause it was just like, like, it was great. I enjoyed watching. I enjoyed watching the film, but there's like there's like so many like like almost like bits of cliche line that they must have just like stolen out of context from like Beverly Hills Cop. Like the whole time I was watching this film, I was like, the director of this film was like, we're gonna make a Beverly Hills Cop or like an Eddie, like a classic like Eddie Murphy, like because uh, even the even the one guy in the film, I feel like acted. Exactly like Axel uh, yep. Axel Foley is mm-hmm. Axel Axel Foley from Axel Axel yeah from uh, Beverly Hills Cop is his character name so it, it like I loved it but it, there's parts of it that were just like it was filled with every like action movie like possible like cliche that you could possibly fit in a film so that, like, you know have you ever bought something that was like <laughs> off brand and you're like it like it works. Yeah. fine but like oh my god it's weird yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm talking about like like uh like one time i bought like this like weird sketchy calculator and like the pie button didn't work and like the and like and like the something like another like, right from when i first bought it like another key didn't work but like it like worked for everything that's like part of this film felt like that was just like this is like what is this but it's great <laughs> i don't know how else to this i think that's the way i would describe it in my own High level, high level. <laughs> no, that's, that's so, good. Yeah. I was hoping, Eric, that you picked this one to watch because I think it you know really this was my uh, this was really high up on the list. But I was like, "Stunt! This sounds ridiculous." Stunt rock, and it was <laughs> free on Canopy. So I was just like, "Let's go." Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, after Blood Moon, I decided to play a longer film that I knew would work, um, and it was called Ega, E E G A. Ega is an Indian film by the director of RRR, the movie that everybody should watch. I talked about it on last episode. <laughs> yes. Ega has the coolest plot about it starts as like 20 minutes of a romantic comedy between this, this guy and a girl. And then the villain of the movie is this rich uh, businessman who has a lot of uh, evil tendencies he kills the girl's love interest so he can have the girl to himself. But then our hero gets reincarnated as a fly and spends the re- the last two hours of the movie as a fly trying to murder this man. <laughs> uh, Matt, what'd you think of that? I thought it was awesome. It was, uh, <laughs> it was very different than anything I've ever seen, which was awesome. Uh, when he was, when, when, you know, it was very classic. Like the bad guy was like just a classic, super evil bad guy. Then like the super nice guy, and they were competing for the girl. And um, the part that the part that made me kind of uh, laugh, and when it changed, was you thought it was going to be like this love story, and then when like she finds out that like he was reincarnated as this fly, they figure it out. They're like, "What are we like? What are we going to do?" It's like we're actually going to murder the bad guy. And then it went from this, like, kind of like, is this a comp? Like, like, it felt like very like romantic and everything. I was like, ah, I don't know about this film. And, but then it turned into like, absolutely being absolutely hilarious. Like the, so, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then the fly and they have like that, uh, that, uh, training montage almost where the, 
the woman who happens yes. to be an artist who does tiny art, microscopic art. She builds the fly like armor and these like blade hands. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, like the training. fly like because starts lifting, lifting weights and stuff. Oh my God. It is so good. And Roger Mooley, the director has such an eye for just like cinematic imagery. I think I used that term twice today, but um, the scene where the fly writes, I will kill you on the car window after the car crash and the pose that the fly makes and the music, and then it cuts to intermission right at that point. That's like peak cinema for me. You are really selling me on this movie. (laughs) Yeah. I think if you, you you would appreciate it, it's it's a little long, but you know, it's, it's totally worth it. I saw that it was two and a half hours and I automatically crossed it off my potential list. This I think was a hit of the night. Uh, I think Matt, what do you think? Did uh, this oh. one played the best with the crowd? Yeah. I think, it, yeah, absolutely. This was a, uh, it was a good one. I liked, I liked everything about it. I've, I think when I talked to uh, people after this and they were like, ask me if you know any of the videos were, Something they should watch. This was like the first one, and I was like, "You should." This is a. This isn't. This was probably the start of the night. Yeah. Yep, and it's on YouTube. And uh, speaking of YouTube, so before the next feature, I, we played a short film called "Pockets" by the Daniels, the the crew who made Everything Everywhere All at Once. Just a short film that showcases their creativity and their direct directing style, where uh, it's about this. Basically, it's a fight scene between two people, but one of them has a magic coat where he can reach into any pocket and his hand comes out of any other pocket. So he's like punching through his own pocket out of somebody else's pocket. It's very creative and actually gets a lot of mileage out of that concept. So that was a good little uh, precursor to the next movie, which was Parole Violators, 1994. Oh, God. Parole Violators is one of those legendary, great, bad movies. And I I concur. It was pretty bad, but it was a joy to watch. Um, It's just, it's a very simple story of a girl gets kidnapped and then the the guy who tries to go save her. But it's got an action scene every two minutes and it's full of weird dialogue, like when the hero jumps through a window and then one of the bad guys is like, where do you come from? And he says, the window. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just like full of like weird stuff like that. And uh, uh, yeah, and it's only 90 minutes and it's just a joy to watch all this kooky stuff. It's one of those, um, those vanity pictures where like the director cast his brother in it, who, who just probably, you know, got a, black belt at some local martial arts school and and uh you know they just got a bunch of money to make an action movie they haven't done much else but uh i had a lot of fun watching this one matt what'd you think of that one it was uh it was good there was a lot of it was like you said the action was non-stop it was actually exhausting <laughs> a little bit to watch uh am i Am I allowed to say that I was that I was like under the influence a little bit while watching the film? Oh yeah, yeah, you Am can say that. that. This is a you, oh, you yeah. can totally oh, yeah. uh, say that. So did that help this movie? 
Uh, that one made me it stressed me out a little bit because it was just like non stop. I was like, I was like, it's like what? Like I was thinking for the like, guys, like when is he gonna catch his breath? Because he'd go through this like epic fight scene where he fight fought like twelve people and then he'd, like, he'd run down a hill and then like have to fight like twenty more. Like it was just it was just like it was just non stop. I'm like, dude, you gotta get some. Like I remember thinking in my head, when is he gonna drink water? Like it was, like, it, was it was exhausting. It was it was pretty exhausting, but I liked it. You know, good. You know, what got me is how how many yeah. times he got beat up. I don't know. Bring water with you if you watch like every it, fight scene. He's always losing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Exhausting is a good word for it. All right. So the short film that preceded the next film was Batgirl, uh, the classic 1960 short film that introduced Batgirl to the uh, Adam West. TV series. I don't know where where I, I didn't I don't have much to say on Batgirl. I just I mean, it was uh it was good. Yeah, it's just like a little skit from the TV show basically that that they oh. introduced Javon Craig. So it's kooky, it's, it's dumb. It had a lot of weird bat stuff. You know, seven minutes long. You know what long. I was what I sometimes yeah you know what I was thinking sometimes with these uh, shorts is who funds these things like they're like and where do they get shown like they'd have to cost so much to make some of these shorts and like they're not making like where do they make the money back or is it just like extremely wealthy people who want to do an art project so they they fund the whole thing personally i mean some some of that some of that is all that is true (laughs) yeah there's lots of vanity projects out there yep this particular Batgirl one, I mean, oh. this was funded by the studio because they had a hit TV show. They were, they probably played this in the theaters before some movies so to get people to watch the show. But, um, oh, I think, Matt, I think this is one of your favorite movies coming up after Batgirl. Hard Ticket to Hawaii, 1987. I wanted to watch this one so bad, too. This and Blood Moon, I was like, oh, I need to see those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> great 80s boobs <laughs> i said it <laughs> yeah so hard ticket to hawaii is an andy sedaris movie speaking of vanity projects andy sedaris made like an industry out of it he i don't know what he was like a movie producer that got a whole bunch of money together and make these cheap movies that really had a vibe the vibe was nudity explosions and uh, beaches. <laughs> that was kind of the the movie. He made like ten of these things. Sounds like a winning formula. Yeah. Well, apparently it made him money, so good for him. Uh, this is a story of uh, like two busty secret agent girls and a couple guys who, you know, uh, stop a diamond smuggling ring. Doesn't matter what they're doing. They're fighting some bad guys. There's a venomous snake that shows up throughout the movie. That's a lot of fun, and. Um, I don't know. I actually thought this was a little weak for the marathon. It had like really fun scenes, like the frisbee guillotine and uh, like the skateboarding assassin and stuff like that. But it was a little. Everything in between was a little slow. Too much dialogue. Hmm. Uh, I got tired of the nudity for no reason. <laughs> uh, I just but, don't yeah. know that I can agree with that statement. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Matt. What'd you think? Eh, you know, it, there was a lot of nudity, like you said, but it was, uh, it was, ah, 
I don't know. The the, uh, the part with the Razor Frisbee was pretty tough. I don't think I watched the part where <laughs> I can't. I don't like watching people get cut. So, but but the, the Razor Frisbee. <laughs> and uh, other how do you catch dude, it? the film? That was the idea. He switched a regular frisbee with the with the uh, razor frisbee. He didn't he like cut his hand off? Spoiler: of catching catching a razor frisbee cuts your hand off. <laughs> but um, I don't know if there really was any plot to the movie other than just showing great boobs the whole the, the whole time. Like it was a snake in a plane, and then they had to bring a snake back, but the snake really didn't do anything. Like there was that weird snake for some reason. Like. I, you know, and then like there was like something else that happened, but in between there was like just like a whole bunch of boobs and yeah. women talking. Like it was, there was like no. I felt like there was no plot to be honest with you. They just had like random things happen and like like and like women just being nude. So yeah, yeah. It was, the plot was maybe a half hour long, and they just added, they stretched it out. But what's there is is fun. I mean, the the snake coming out of the toilet yeah. was a good uh, climax. <laughs> yes alright well there's only one more feature but before that we played a short called Rendezvous which is this like 70s avant-garde French film about a guy who just he strapped a 35mm camera to his really fast car and he drove through the streets of Paris at like insane speeds and he filmed filmed himself doing this you know, from the perspective of the car. And it's uh, pretty cool. It's only a few minutes long of uh, really scary driving. And um, yeah, it it's definitely a film for car lovers, but I kind of like it for like the, uh, the audacity to do something like this in the streets of Paris. And it's not like nowadays where you have dash cams and whatever. This was like a real 35 millimeter camera that he strapped to the hood of his car somehow. And it's uh, just a little eight-minute film, really enjoyable. Part of it, I found that a bit scary. Like, like uh, you know, he could have killed somebody. Like, like he oh, was yeah. flying yeah. through the streets. Like, he was flying through the streets of Paris, and like, you could have easily killed somebody. Like, it was it was wildly irresponsible to do, uh, <laughs> but he did it. Yeah. So, like, if I saw that now on the internet, I'd be like, I hope this person gets arrested. But like right. you were saying, there was no GoPros or gash, dash cams back then. So it was something really crazy and unique for that time. But like now I'd be like, dude, yeah, I hope you get pulled over by a cop and arrested and, yeah. and your license taken away. Because that could have been my mom or dad or, or like, a, like a friend like with you driving 90 miles per hour through, you know, Philadelphia. <laughs> you know? Right, that's, that is very true. So. But it's, it's funny how like 45 years puts, puts some uh, distance between – the uh, the the real life stupidity and the final product you know what i mean yeah yeah for back you know what also was, was was crazy about it was uh i've watched i watched so much tour de france that i'm like i have watched a lot of people because he drives down the champs elysee and uh i think they call it the champs and if you're mm. in the know uh and uh I've seen people bike because on the last st- stage of the Tour de France every year, they do like five laps around down the Chants. And uh, like the part that he was driving, like downhill from like the the Arc 
de triomphe, I think it might be. Dude, someone, I hope no one from France listens to this. <laughs> That's our biggest market. Yeah, the biggest market is uh, is the south of France. <laughs> so, yeah, it was interesting. It was, it was good. I don't know. I enjoyed it. All right, and that uh, brings us to the last movie, which was I wanted to end it with Hong Kong action uh, from the prime of uh, Hong Kong action days, 1990 where they were just churning out these movies every week. They were making great action movies from Hong Kong. She shoots straight was the one I picked by Corey Ewan. And it uh, doesn't star any of the big wigs. It stars Joyce Gadenza and Karina Lau and Sammo Hung has a small part. This is where actually Sammo Hung married the Joyce Gadenza, the main star of this movie. Um, and I think they met on this movie. I'd have to double check that, but uh Anyway, it's just a Girls With Guns feature, which has some great fights and some great car chases and uh, really cool stunts. And uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with something like this. Just solid, solid action. Matt, are you a fan of Hong Kong action in general? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, you know, the only the only kind of the only bits of it that I've seen are from videos that I've seen uh, like here at your house. But um I like yeah. everything that I've seen. So it's been, it's cool. It's very different, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's different. They had no regard for human life. <laughs> they were just like, we're making the greatest action movies ever. We don't care who gets hurt in the process. It's, uh, it's a little wild, but there's uh, some great movies came out of that time. So this was not like top tier, but it was a good one. You know, uh, what I was thinking that was interesting was the film ended right after the last fight scene and you just kind of assumed like the rest of it happens. Mm -hmm. Like, the, like, I think, I think someone yeah. actually might, it might've been you who mentioned this. Just like it's in the Hong Kong films. Like part of it is they ended on the last fight scene and then like all the rest of it is like implied, like the happily ever after is implied. But like, I was wondering, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it feels weird to us. But I was wondering what in our films must was must seem weird to like someone watching it from somewhere like who's used someone who's used to Hong Kong films that like I don't know if it's like this maybe in like our like romantic like romantic comedy movies like they kiss and then like you just assume they live the rest of their life and it's weird that they're not showing the rest of their life kind of together. So mm -hmm. I thought that was I thought that was that was a bit of a interesting point and in where like yes that feels strange to us unfinished but what kind of thing do we always do in our films like in like uh like kind of american mindset films that uh that we do that's like very strange to someone watching it from another uh uh kind of influence or norm yeah that's that's a good point it's like if um someone from hong kong watched an american action movie and then they're like wait the the last fight scene ended why is there still five to ten minutes left movie should yeah. be over <laughs> Where are the credits? Yeah. What is yeah. this? Yeah. I don't care about what happens to these people. They they won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That's, yeah. Well, that's even in the same example. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So that, uh, that, uh, ended, uh, Dome Fest with that one. Matt, what's your overall impression of the, of the event? Were you pleased? And be honest here. I know that, you know, if you, if you don't like it, you might not get an invite. <laughs> Dude, yeah, let me tell you this right now. Dome Fest rules. I'm not going to yell into the mic, but <laughs> Dome Fest is awesome. It's funny is, uh, you know. Someday I'll make 
if uh, someone was if someone was to ask one of the reasons why uh, I'm Patrick's one of my friends, I go he is a person who likes to have fun. His hobbies are having fun. So so it's like invite people to Dome Fest. Oh, a whole day of fun. Nice. Oh no, I have to go hang out with I'm going to hang out at Patrick's house so that we're gonna have fun. Or even yeah. So and you have other hobbies that are outside of this that are also just having fun. So it uh uh <laughs> Dome Fest is a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. That is yeah. Is, How much is, is he nice. paying you to say all this? <laughs> you know, the, the, I'm trying to have my uh, my pretentious movie cred image, and you're just ruining it. <laughs> there were snacks and hors d'oeuvres, and it was also a themed drink. Oh yeah, we did. We made uh, we made uh, pina coladas for uh, the hard ticket to Hawaii movie. That oh, was nice. <laughs> yeah. So. I hope that inspired Eric to watch a great movie. Well, I had two choices. So I watched Stunt Rock on Canopy, and then it had, hey, here are other things like this. And there was a great list of movies. I was interested in many of them. Uh, the top two finalists ended up being 1973's Hit, with an exclamation point because it's that exciting, uh, starring Billy D. Williams and Richard Pryor. Billy D. Williams is a federal agent whose daughter dies of a heroin overdose. And then he goes to France to destroy the drug ring responsible, kind of like a taken only his daughter died. I did not watch that. Instead, I watched 1979's Fast Company, which I was shocked. I don't know. Have you seen this, Pat? I know, but I know who directed it. Yeah, I was watching the credits, had no idea. This is written and directed by David Cronenberg. So I will read the logline from IMDb. After his sponsor replaces him with his arch rival, a race car driver decides to steal the car and race it himself. (laughs) The problem is this movie is none of that. And that all takes place in the last 20 minutes. Oh, it is really a movie about a dysfunctional race team with a villain whose motivations continually change and don't make any sense. The villain is the owner of the racing team. There's an aging driver who now only drives these experimental cars. And then there's a young hotshot kid. I guess he's supposed to be a young hotshot. None of this is established. Um, who is driving funny cars. And the in the beginning of the movie, the, the, the experimental car blows up. The owner of the company, who is the father from Nightmare on Elm Street, I got a lot of joy out of seeing him in a movie, <laughs> says to the mechanics, who approved those changes you made? We don't have enough money. We can't afford to be a winning team. We just have to have our, our car on the logo and make people want to buy our product, which makes no sense because nobody wants to buy the products of the losing car. Like, wow, look how crappy that race car was. I'm going to use their oil. It makes no sense. <laughs> right, yeah, that's a, that seems like a plot hole. <laughs> but then later on, um, there's this other driver who I guess is supposed to be the arch rival. The problem is the other driver is a funny car driver, and the guy who's supposed to be the aging star is not a funny car driver. It's like saying, 
oh, Tom Brady and Michael Jordan are arch rivals. And it's like, they don't even play the same sport. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the, the owner of the race car makes the aging driver drive the funny car because he's supposed to be this like famous guy. And he faces the uh, the blacksmith is the other driver. Cooler name. He should be the main character. So he does make him drive once and he wins. But then the owner is like, we have to hire the blacksmith because we need to have a winning team. So he just completely changed his outlook and he wants to get rid of the old driver. And then basically the last 20 minutes is them stealing the car back because he gets fired to win a race against the blacksmith who he's already beaten and he's a better driver than it was such a weird movie. They had about 20 minutes of plot and the other 70 minutes were like shots that just, they just let run too long. There was like a lot of B roll of just cars driving on a street. I really in stunt rock, there was a scene of, um, I think they just recycled footage from the original gone in 60 seconds. Cause I don't know if the, the main, the stunt guy worked on that, but I was like, yeah, I chose this movie because I was like, I want like fun racing car stuff. I like fast and furious. This will be like that in the seventies. It's probably not going to be great, but whatever. It was so boring. It was boring. There was, and and there was so much, like, I wonder if the people who made like Tony Scott, did he watch this and was like, this could be a good movie. And then he made days of thunder 10 years later, Hmm. because it is like, there, there are so many elements that could have been a good movie. There's the aging driver and the young hotshot who are on the same team. Like you could have had some, some friction there. There is like the driver that they could have made the rival, but you know, I guess they made him the rival, but there was no real tension there because they were kind of friendly in the beginning of the movie. And just like, I don't know there could have been a heist. Like they stole the car in about two seconds. It could have been, that whole log line could have been a really fun movie where they have to like steal the car and then try to race it. And they're trying to figure out, Oh, is this our car? Is it not our car? Like none of those were even issues in the movie. They just steal the car and then race it. Did it have like good racing footage at least? No, (laughs) no. There was like one cool shot from inside the race car where they had like a, a timer that was superimposed, you know, like how many seconds. And it was like a first person shot from inside the funny car that goes like 200, whatever miles an hour. Right. But it was six seconds. And again, it just kept running. Like you watched the car accelerate and then you watched it just slowly roll to a stop. You know, it's like, we have to get to an hour and a half. How do we do this? (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Like there's a, the, one of the love interests, shows up to the racetrack and you like watch her drive her car across the whole racetrack, slowly stop, unbuckle her seatbelt, get out of the car, walk to the trailer, walk up the stair. And you're just like, I get it. You could have just shown her car driving through the entrance of the race car and then opening the door to the trailer. Why did I have to see this three minutes of someone walking in a long shot? Yeah. Padding. Yeah, like hardcore padding. And the parts that are there that should be cool, like the last five minutes of this movie were hilariously like out of left field because all of a sudden there's explosions. <laughs> um, there's one of the, the mechanics is crooked for the guy who, the blacksmith who replaces the aging driver. 
and they're like, well, we have to win this race now. So they're trying to sabotage it. And what the guy does is he just pours gasoline on one of the lanes of the track, which is a whole to do that I'm not going to get into. But imagine you're at a NASCAR race and somebody just runs onto the track and starts pouring gasoline on it. Like the whole stadium would have seen it. What is this plan? Yeah. <laughs> so of course the blacksmith then ends up winning the race, but blowing up because he cuts off the other car, which does not happen and is not possible in funny cars. First of all, cause they move so fast in a straight line. Right. Right. So he blows up and then the aging driver gets in the car and chases down the owner of the team who's trying to fly away in a plane and crashes into the back of the plane, which then crashes into another truck and blows up. So that was cool, but like really crazy and stupid. It was just so boring. I'm trying Other to figure than... out like why uh, this was made. So I'm looking at Cronenberg's filmography. This was his third movie and it came right after rabid, which I know was a controversial movie. It starred porn star Marilyn Chambers you know, this was like, I don't know how it did financially, but maybe he took a, you know, a hit in the credibility department and needed to make like a director for hire sort of movie to get some, you know, money to do the stuff he loves. Cause it's definitely an outlier for him. Yeah. But he was credited as a screenwriter too, which is just weird. Yeah. I was really waiting for like, somebody to crash and there to be some body horror or something like that. <laughs> right. Right. And like, it is telegraphed in the beginning of the movie, like that this aging driver is going to kill himself by doing all this experimental thing, but his car blows up and the car clearly blows up and he just like, you know, hops out of it unscathed. Hmm. Yeah. This is a weird, I'd like to read more about why this was made. Cause yeah, I am, very a, I am a huge Cronenberg fan. And this is you know, one of the few I have not seen. And I don't think I'll watch it anytime soon, but I will try to figure out you know, how it came to be, at least. Please do, because <laughs> it should not have been. <laughs> so are you, uh, are you happy with um, your Domefest uh, inspirational films like Stunt Rock and Fast Company together? Not, not really worth it. I was happy with Stun Rock. I don't know why. I, I literally cannot say why I enjoyed watching it because mm -hmm. there was no plot. It's the kind of movie that I would normally hate. Yeah. But I don't know. I did enjoy watching the stunts was kind of cool. Um, watching the music was like, you know, enjoyable if it was really hokey and funny. But, you know, late 70s, early 80s, hokey, funny, hair metal, like kind of fun. Um, this was I would not recommend anyone watch this movie. All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll end it on a on a downer. <laughs> After Sorry. The, the excitement of Dome Fest. <laughs> no, that's cool. I, I, you know, we're trying to expand our horizons. <laughs> we're trying to expand our horizons, and hopefully, we you know that comes with a lot of garbage sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Just let everybody know who's watching this, and they want to know anything. Biodome is the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> that that is one i've never seen and maybe maybe eric i remember liking it when i was a teenager but i don't think i've seen it in about 20 years i heard there i heard though exciting news that there is a potential sequel in the works so oh my god 
Wow, Matt, you must. Oh man, we need Polly Shore back in comedy. (laughs) I feel like the world kind of went to shit after Polly Shore disappeared, so I'm not going to (laughs) disagree. Yeah, there is a there's probably causality there. All right, well maybe we'll add Biodome to our uh, our movies to get inspired by list at some point. But uh, I guess that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you, Matt, so much for joining. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Next episode, we will talk about the movie we randomly picked, which was China Salesman. I'm excited to watch that and to get inspired to watch something related to that with you, Eric. That should be fun. Looking forward to it. All right, so that'll be it. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Letterboxd, Long Monkey. Check out my website, proleary.com. Eric, anything to plug? I have nothing to plug. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's call it a day. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night and sweet dreams. Not creepy at all.